right, what is up, my G's, man? This is your boy Mel, aka Naldo Formula One, and you are now tuned into the Naldo Formula One podcast. This is going to be episode 11. This is going to be a special episode. Now, I know I feel like I say that about every single episode, but man, this is really a passion project for me. This whole Naldo F1 journey and movement and stuff, man. But it really is going to be a special episode this week. I think this is going to be one that a lot of you guys are going to really, really rock with and really want to tune into and put on on your way to work or while you're working out or just chilling in the crib, whatever. Cool with me, man. As long as y'all hitting play, subscribing, man, keep supporting. But what I'm going to do this episode is I think I want to kind of bridge the gap and try to relate Formula One better to like my American sports fans because the reality is it's just not that popular of a sport yet in America relative to the rest of the sports like football or basketball or track, even track or like hockey or baseball, anything like that. And it's still up and coming, it's growing, but I think if I can help bridge the gap from Formula One to the other sports, I think that that would be really nice and something that a lot of people would fuck with and relate to. So we are three races into the season. We just finished uh, the Australian Grand Prix. Great race. It was an absolute, like, just worldly mental type of race. We only had 12 finishers out of 20 drivers, a bunch of crashes, a bunch of DNFs, a little bit of loopiness and some questionable actions from the higher-ups in Formula One. But overall, a really entertaining race with Max taking his third win in a row, right? He won in Saudi, right? I think he won in Saudi. I don't know. Uh, It's been a long past couple of weeks for me. Oh, by the way, happy Easter to everybody that's listening. I'm recording this on Sunday, so this will be Easter for most of you guys, but you probably won't hear this until Monday or later on in the week. But I am just wanted to go ahead and get that out of the way, say happy Easter to everybody. But, yeah, back to the race. I think I'm pretty sure Max has won all three races this season, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. No. No, Sergio won in Saudi. Yeah, Sergio won in Saudi. I was going to say, okay, I knew something wasn't right in that whole thought process or whatever. So, yeah, Sergio won in Saudi. Max took his second race victory of the season in Australia. Lewis finished P2, grabbing the first podium for the Mercedes team. Fernando Alonso with another podium, finishing P3. But this this episode isn't really going to be race coverage and stuff like that, because obviously if you're not watching the races, then you have no clue what I'm talking about. I kind of want to take more of a cultural approach and kind of just translate and help bridge that gap, like I was saying. So what I'm basically going to do this episode is I'm going to take the F1 teams and the drivers and kind of comp them to their American counterparts as far as most it's going to be NBA and the NFL because those are the two most popular sports in America at the moment. So it's going to be me comping like an F1 team to a NFL franchise or an NBA franchise and the players to the drivers, if that makes sense. You'll you'll kind of get the gist of it as I go along. But that is going to be my goal for today, and hopefully, if you fuck with it, then please just pause the episode real quick. Let me well, let me finish what I'm saying, and then pause the episode. But go ahead and click the subscribe button if you're wherever you're listening to this ad. If you're an audio listener, 
make sure you follow the show or subscribe to the show on whatever app. This is available everywhere. Spotify, Apple, freaking Overcast, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. This will also be available on YouTube probably a little bit later on in the week. But go ahead and if you're watching this on YouTube, then click the subscribe button, hit the bell for the notifications, man. Interact, like, comment, leave a five-star review. Also, if you're listening to this on Apple or Spotify or Google Podcasts, leave a five-star review because those mean a lot to me. I may start reading those out on the show. But yeah, if you just leave the five-star review, man. Just don't hurt your boy's feelings, man. Just just help you help your man's out. So I'm going to go ahead and get started with some of the comps for the teams and drivers and stuff like that. And I'm going to start off with probably the least, the I ain't going to say the least, the less popular drivers, the less well-known drivers and teams, and kind of build my way up. Because I know everybody knows about like who Lewis Hamilton is. A bunch of you probably already know who like Max Verstappen and stuff is. But I kind of want to give some shine to the not as well-known drivers and teams, kind of give them their opportunity in the spotlight before I move on to the big guns because those those guys pretty much speak for themselves. So I will start off with the Haas F1 team, the only American F1 team on the grid at the moment. We'll see if that changes with Andretti coming up in the future, maybe 2024 or 5 is maybe what it's looking like. But for now, Haas is the only American F1 team on the grid. And my comparisons for Haas are the Denver Broncos and the Portland Trailblazers. And I'll get into a little bit of why it is that I feel that way. So the reason why is because Haas have really improved over the last couple of seasons. Like their last two seasons have been much better than the previous two to three seasons where they were back markers. And if you don't know what a back marker is, back marker is just a team that just runs at the back of the field. They never compete for wins or points or anything like that. They just strictly run towards the back of the field. And the reason why I kind of feel those two things are kind of synonymous and why I feel like Haas kind of equates to the Broncos or the Trailblazers is because they have talent in the team and they might surprise you every now and then and get a good result or beat a team that they shouldn't beat or outperform drivers that they shouldn't perform. And you know that the package, there's something there, but it just doesn't really seem like they have the leadership and the direction to get where they want to be long-term, which is competing for championships. I mean, why else would we be doing this or competing at all? Why are you joining the sport if you're not in it to compete for a championship? So I think that that's probably their best comp, especially with like, Drivers like Russell Wilson, or I said drivers like Russell Wilson, players like Russell Wilson and like Dame and stuff like that. Like, you know, they have top talent and on their best day, they could compete with most teams in the league and pretty much beat most teams in the league and put up good results. But it just doesn't, they're kind of in no man's land. Like, they don't seem like they're pushing to compete for championships and they're not really bad enough to just be awful i mean in f1 is not like american sports there's no benefit to being bad normally in american sports you get like draft picks or you have cap space and stuff like that for being bad where you can sign other other players and stuff like that but in nfl or not in nfl in f1 there's no incentive for being bad like if you suck you're just trash and as far as their drivers they have 
their two drivers are Kevin Magnuson and Nico Hulkenberg. I know those guys are probably not as well known. I'll probably throw a picture up there just so you can put a face to the name. But as far as Kevin Magnuson, I liken him to a Marcus Peters or Draymond Green type of character. And my reasoning for that is just that Draymond is, I mean, Draymond and Marcus Peters, you know, they have talent like they're, they're not bad at the game. Obviously, they wouldn't be where they're at by being bad, but they definitely like to ruffle some feathers and they can rub people the wrong way. They're probably not as good as they used to be, like when they were in their prime, but still a formidable opponent, still somebody that you have to account for and watch out for on the track. But I think they're probably best well known for being a little bit on the hot tempered side and definitely can rub people the wrong way. I mean, if you haven't seen the clip, famous clip of Kep Magnuson and his now teammate, Nico Hulkenberg, when Nico was driving for a Renault and they got into an incident on track. And yeah, the you just just look up Kevin Magnus and Nico Hulkenberg and you'll find it. And so that's kind of my comp for them. I'm going to fly through the, the lower level guys because I know we don't want to sit here and talk about guys that you guys don't know or aren't competing for championships. I mean, everybody loves a winner. So I'm going to kind of fly through these lower level ones. Nico Hulkenberg, I kind of compare him to a Ryan Fitzpatrick, 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 and like slash Bojan Bogdanovich. So obviously they have talent. They seem to always find their way onto a roster or onto a team. And when they come in, they'll give you a solid performance. They may show out for a game or two or a race or two in Nico's case, but you don't really expect them to compete for titles and you don't think that they have the talent to compete for titles but every now and then they'll show you this bout of like magic and you have no clue where it even came from and they show you that obviously I do have talent and I deserve to be here but they just don't have that upper echelon that next step and I feel that exact same way about like a Ryan Fitzpatrick or a Bojan Bogdanovich all right on to the next team Alpha Towery this is the little brother sister team I it's a, they call it a sister team, but it's really a, a little brother team to the Red Bull team. I mean, their logos is the Red Bull logo, and they're under the Red Bull umbrella. It's basically a feeder team, which I have questionable thoughts on, but that's a different topic for a different day. And as far as my comp for them, I think that they're pretty much exactly like the Chargers and the Hornets. I guess you could you maybe could say the Clippers, but I think that the Clippers have a little bit more talent level than Alpha Towery does. And on any given year, the Clippers can probably compete for uh, titles or at least have the talent to compete for titles. Alpha Towery doesn't have that by any standpoint. So they really just, they feel like a little brother team. And that's exactly what the Chargers feel like. And that's exactly what the Hornets, Hornets feel like. The Hornets, while they have talent on the roster and you, every now and then they'll, show flashes but they just don't have you don't expect them to compete and they'll never be better than the big red bull team and their drivers yuki sonoda and nick devries yuki sonoda the young japanese and i love yuki for his players i would say like Jameis winston or a jordan clarkson guys who can they're a little bit unhinged almost like yuki is a I think Yuki's a little bit more lovable than like Jameis or Jordan Clarkson, but they're young-ish. 
I know they're veterans, but they're young-ish. This is Yuki's third season in Formula One, I believe. And so Jameis and Jordan Clarkson are a little bit more experienced. But I think that it's a good comp just from the fact that you know that there's a level of talent there. You're just sometimes they make these really weird mental errors and you're just like, what on earth are you doing? Like Yuki had a bunch of those last year where he would just spin the car by himself for no reason. It's not wet on the track. It's not harsh conditions. Didn't overheat the tires, nothing. Nobody bumped him, anything like that. He would just spin off into the distance just randomly. And it just doesn't make sense. And I feel the same way about like a Jameis Winston. He'll just throw a random interception for no apparent reason. And Jordan Clarkson, you know he has a talent and he'll put up 20 a game, but he'll have these moments where he'll just turn the ball over and you just you look at him kind of like, just what are you doing, bro? So that's kind of why I feel that way of, about Yuki. As far as Nick DeVries, this is technically his first season at F1, but he's a vet, man. That dude is 27 years old. He's like the super-duper senior. He's kind of like the Stetson Bennett of Formula One. Actually, you know what, that that just popped into my head. I didn't write that down originally, but Stetson Bennett is a, <clears throat> is a really good comp for Nick DeVries because there's somewhat there's, – there's obviously talent there. I mean, man just won two back-to-back national championships. But you know that they're probably not good enough to reach that next level of of – talent and upper echelon of drivers and stuff like that. But what I actually wrote down was Brock Purdy slash RJ Barrett. And so we saw Brock Purdy come in this past season and fill in some games and play really well. And you kind of wonder, is it the system or is it him? And I feel the same way about Nick DeVries with his performances so far. Like, is he masking is like basically the team masking his lack of talent i'm not gonna say he's not talented at all but is the team making up for the the gap the disparity of his his talent basically because sometimes like nick has had some really good performances last year and i think that his monza performance filling in for alex albon when he was out with what is it appendicitis i think he had appendicitis last year and had to get his appendix removed so he missed a couple of races and Nick filled in and got points in his first race in Monza, which was fantastic. But I think that that may have boosted his stock just a little bit too much. And he's still somewhat unproven to this point. And I feel that same way about Brock Purdy and RJ Barrett, like RJ Barrett, you know, he has talent, but he's kind of been overshadowed by his star teammate and still has yet to really reach that level that, you would expect of somebody who was drafted so highly and kind of touted so highly coming out of high school and college. All right, on to Alfa Romeo. These are st- now we're starting to get into the teams that you guys might actually, and the brands that you guys might actually be familiar with. Maybe you heard these names on occasion. So as far as Alfa Romeo, it's kind of cut and dry. They're the Bears and the Knicks. And I think this is the perfect example of – these guys have basically achieved nothing in recent history. They have a lot of basically everything that they've done well. All their championship history is way back in the day before probably anybody that was listening to this was even born. I mean, last time the Bears made the Super Bowl was 2006. They didn't win, but the last time they, I think they only have one Super Bowl win, and it was 1985. 
So, I mean, this that's 10 years before I was born and probably before any of you, you all that are listening were actually born. And I feel the same way about the Knicks. I mean, I think the Knicks' last championship was like the 80s or the 70s. I think it might have been the 70s. I don't think they won anything in the 80s. So I think the Knicks' last championship was the 80s. In the same way for Alpha Romeo. Alpha Romeo haven't been relevant since the 70s, I think, in Formula One, if I'm not mistaken, with Fangio and these the guys that – it's like the Koozie era, man. Like, you, you – you know they were good, but how good were they compared to the guys now? Completely different era of the sport. So, yeah, I can't even really contextualize the significance of Alfa Romeo. Obviously, we know that they're a great brand. I wish that their road cars looked as good as the Formula One car because, I mean, they put out a beautiful livery every single year. I think this is like five or six years on the bounce that they put out a great livery every single year as far as the Alfa Romeo Sauber group, but the the road cars just aren't as good as the um as the Formula One cars. And yeah, man. That's pretty much all I can say about uh Alfa Romeo. They're they're kind of again similar to uh Haas where they're just in no man's land. They just don't seem to really move the needle one way or the other. They're just kind of content picking up a couple of points here and there and that being it. So their two drivers, Valtteri Botas, former teammate of Lewis Hamilton at Mercedes, and Zhou Guan Yu, the second year, I'm not gonna use the word phenom, but he's showing that he Joden showed me some stuff, man. I I'm 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 rocking with Joe. And he's the drippiest driver on the grid by far. Like not even not even a competition. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm going to lie. I think him and Lewis kind of are 1A and 1B. But I would give the nod to Joe just because I'm more minimalistic with my style. Lewis kind of likes to go pretty crazy with the colors and the fits and the the way it, it lays and stuff like that. And, the like, he'll do some crazy baggy, like, jumpsuit and stuff like that. Joe keeps it pretty, pretty tame, pretty mild. I think that his style is more more kind of my, my speed. But as far as Joe, I think he's a lot like Devonta Smith and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, where they have talent. They didn't necessarily pop immediately, and there were some questions immediately as far as them coming into the sport, as far as Devonta Smith with his size and Shea with his shooting and playmaking ability coming into the league and his athleticism. You really didn't know how good they could actually be, but... They've shown that they belong in the league, and there's definitely a level of talent there, and you would like to see them get an opportunity with a top team, with top talent around them to see what they can actually do. And as far as Valtteri Botas, I think this is a really easy one, uh, Dak Prescott or DeMar DeRozan. And my reasoning for that being Dak is a good quarterback, very good quarterback, in fact, and I feel the same way about DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan is a good player. You can even say very good player on some seasons. But they just don't have that it factor. You don't feel like they have that it that will push you to the next level needed to win titles and to be the best. There's this like inner bastard that the best drivers have that they become so self-consumed and so into their own that they just – block out any 
outside distractions and they, no matter what they feel like, they're the best things in sliced bread and you can't tell them anything else and that they're just the greatest thing since AC was invented. So I feel like Valtteri is just that step below, like on his best day, he would give Lewis Hamilton trouble in qualifying and even in a couple of races. But when you look back on how much time he spent at Mercedes for him to pick up only the amount of wins that he did, it's kind of, kind of sad, especially with the cars that he's been given, which is always my argument against everything drivers not getting any of the credit and only being the car, because you can literally look at their teammate who isn't driving the exact same car and see the results. Cause obviously there's a humongous gap between what Lewis achieved at Mercedes and what Valtteri achieved at Mercedes in their time together. So it can't all be just the car. It's, it's definitely about 50, 50. It's gotta be the right driver in the right car at the right time. And I don't think Valtteri, even given his positions that he's been in, has proven that he's the right driver at the right time. And so moving on to the Williams team. So now we're getting into some teams that I really kind of like and will root for on any given basis. I wouldn't call myself a fan. I think I've said a couple of times I don't really cheer for teams. It's so much an individual sport that it kind of makes it hard to cheer for teams. But Williams, Giants, and Sixers had some success in recent history. Didn't make it to title level since, I think, what was that, 2008? I think seven or eight that the Giants won that title over the Patriots. But two of the most storied franchises in their respective sports histories, as far as Williams is a staple, they had sense of dominance and a lot of that was a little bit old history. And as far as new management, as far as when these big manufacturers came in and started pumping in just loads, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars into these teams, it, it kind of changed the sport for Williams. And I think the sport has outgrown them to an extent. But you know that they belong there. Like It's not like nobody would want to see Williams leave the grid as a whole. And I feel the exact same way about the Giants and the Sixers. They have talent there. <clears throat> and you know that they can produce good results given the resources, but they got to get the money flowing in. They got to get the the technical aspect taken care of and produce a good car and then try to recruit top talent into the team. And I feel the exact same way about the Giants and Sixers. Like if they can rehaul and retool and really – surround themselves with, with positive positivity and talent in the front office outside of the actual product on the court or the field or the track, then they have the potential to be great once again. And their two drivers, Alex Albon and Logan Sargent. Logan Sargent being the new American rookie, the first American F1 driver in over a decade, I believe. And as far as Logan Sargent, Trey Lance, Jalen Green, I think this is easy money, just the fact that they're unproven. You know that there's somewhat of a level of talent there and ability, but, I mean, they haven't proven jack shit. I'm just going to keep it frank. They haven't proven jack shit, and you question their long-term ability and if they even have the ceiling to compete at a high, at the highest level. Alex Albon, Justin Fields, or Jamal Murray for the 
Justin Fields, quarterback of the Chicago Bears, Jamal Murray, point guard for the Denver Nuggets. On their best days, they can compete with the top drivers in the field. Still have a lot to prove. Still have a lot of growth to do. Both, all three of those guys are very young still in the league. Jamal Murray's a little bit more veteran, but still overall a pretty young guy. I think Jamal Murray's like 26. <clears throat> and they're transitioning him and Jamal, him and Alex, meaning Jamal Murray and Alex, are transitioning into that veteran phase. Alex has been, is overall, I think, his fourth or fifth year in F1. So they're not necessarily the young whippersnappers that they used to be, but they're moving into their, their uncle era, essentially, in their veteran era. And you just wonder if they had the resources around them, could they be one of the best in the league or the sport? But chances are we'll probably never know because I don't think they'll get that opportunity. I think they're kind of just going to be stuck where in no man's land. I think Alex had his shot with Red Bull. I think he did about as good as you could have asked. But, I mean, it wasn't good enough to compete, uh, compete at the highest level. Moving on, Alpine Renault. So they're now Alpine. They used to be Renault back in the day. The engine manufacturer is still Renault. I really wish they would go back to Renault. The Alpine move didn't really make sense, in my opinion. But that's just me. I think they're pretty much just like the Colts or the Miami Heat. A team that, at their best, was probably around 15 to 20 years ago. Um, put Had some really good talent come through. Has produced some great results in recent history as well as far as like the Andrew Luck days with the Colts or the Heatles days with LeBron and D-Wade and stuff like that. No titles, no titles for Alpine since, or Renault since the 2006 season. So looking, but still one of the better teams in the league. They have to be respected. I mean, me being a Colts fan, I know I can't say we're one of the better teams in the league. We had an absolute shit season, but this is, this isn't a football podcast. This is an F1 podcast. So I'm just going to block all of that out of my mind, and 2023 will be a better year for the Colts. Hopefully we can get some better quarterback talent in the draft, and hopefully our new head coach hiring will push us to back to the level where we were at, where we were playoff contenders every single year. Fingers crossed. But back to Formula One, their two drivers for Alpine are Pierre Gasly and Esteban Ocon. Both French drivers in a French team, they don't necessarily like each other that much. So I'm excited to see the drama and the sparks that fly due to this. They've already crashed into each other. Well, really, it was Pierre, in my opinion, crashing into Esteban. But you just know that there's just going to be some 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 cooking with hot grease going on at the Alpine uh, garage garish as the the um, internationals like to say so pierre gasly i think this one was one of my better comps my slam dunk kyler murray and trey young i think that you know that they have an immense amount of talent and but you kind of don't know if it's the situation if it's their attitude or 
what that is holding them back from competing at the highest level. They've put in some amazing results. Kyler Murray winning Offensive Rookie of the Year, and before he got hurt, was that two years ago? He was like in second or third in like the MVP ladder that season. And Pierre put in one of a couple of the greatest seasons that we've seen from a midfield driver in recent history in the 2020 and the 2021 season with him picking up his lone win in the 2020 season at Monza. Great drive from Pierre. And you know Pierre has an immense amount of talent. But you kind of wonder, do they have it upstairs to reach the 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 next level? Is it all there in between the ears, if you know what I'm saying? And as far as Esteban, his teammate, I think that Jared Goff and Donovan Mitchell are his two best comps. Now, you, I know the Jared Goff, Donovan Mitchell thing – it sounds insane, but just just stay with me here. I'm gonna bring it back full circle. It's a little the, I comp him to those two guys for two different reasons. And with I'll start with Jared Goff. Jared Goff, the comp uh, to Esteban being that in the right situation, you know that they can produce good results. We've seen Jared Goff have success with the Rams, and even this past season, he probably had his best season since that Super Bowl run with the Rams. But again, another guy who will make some questionable decisions and you just question if they have that that machismo, if they have that like that it factor, the X factor to reach the next level. I think that Esteban at his best is probably one of the better midfield drivers. In the on the grid, I think that if he was in a top team, he'd probably put it on podiums pretty consistently. I, he he'd probably be just like Valtteri, in my opinion, with a worse attitude, if that makes sense. Valtteri is a great leader, kind of a mellow guy, which is also part of the reason why I compared him to Dak. But I think that Esteban is like an evil twin of Valtteri, lacking the talent to win races and compete for championships. Even if I did believe that he had a better car, I don't think he would beat the lights of the likes of a Lewis Hamilton or a Shaw Leclerc or a Max Verstappen or a George Russell or Fernando Alonso. But I do think that there's something there to be had. All right, now we're into the top four teams, at least the top four current teams, and this was in no order. I'm just kind of going from teams who I believe would probably be the least popular to teams that are the most popular. So we're on to Aston Martin a team that is now competing for podiums on a consistent basis and has produced an absolutely amazing car. Not only is it beautiful to look at, it's actually fast, unlike some people I know, <clears throat> uh, W14. But, you know, no shade. As far as Aston Martin, another slam dunk, I think, as far as team comparison, the Phoenix Suns and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And with that being that they found a lot of recent success, not necessarily, don't really have the history as far as like title contention and stuff like that, but have found recent success by bringing in veterans in like as far as their drivers and players. And on top of that, bringing in good executives and people to run the team and roster builders and GMs and that sort of thing. I mean, hell, the Bucks just won a title. What was that two years ago? So, yeah, I think that 
that is a great comparison for the Aston Martin team being as far and then Fernando Alonso, their lead driver, being a sort of talented veteran that achieved a lot but didn't necessarily reach the heights that you thought they would reach given their level of talent. And I'll, that'll kind of get me segueing onto their drivers and Fernando Alonso being one of the most, probably one of the most, if you can make an argument that he's the most talented driver to ever get behind the wheel of a car in Formula One and his comps being Aaron Rodgers and Chris Paul. Guys who rub a lot of people the wrong way. I feel like you either, there's no on the fence with e- any three of those three guys, with Fernando, with CP3, or with Aaron Rodgers. There's no, there's no sitting on the fence. There's no straddling the fence. Nobody's in the middle ground with those guys. Either you love them or you hate them. There's no in between. And I actually fall on like different sides depending on who you ask me. Not really a fan of Fernando. Love Aaron Rodgers. Don't necessarily like Chris Paul. So you see how they're they're very polarizing figures in their respective sports. Guys who have achieved a lot. Aaron Rodgers won titles. Chris Paul or uh, Chris Paul has not won titles. Fernando Alonso has won a couple of titles. And on any given day, their attitude can rub a lot of people the wrong way. But their the talent's undeniable. You can argue that Chris Paul is one of the most talented, if not the most talented, point guards to ever play. The play basketball, Aaron Rodgers, I've seen a ton of people, even sometimes I've made the argument that he's the most talented quarterback just physically from an ability and skill standpoint to ever play the game of football. And Fernando Alonso, I don't make the argument, but you could, that he's the most talented driver in Formula One. And his teammate, Lance Stroll, not going to spend a whole lot of time on him, not a well-known guy, not a particularly well-liked guy as far as me, but... Daniel Jones or Ben Simmons, you kind of question whether they even belong in the sport as a whole. Like, obviously, there's something there. Like, you're just you're not going to call them completely talentless, but you kind of question why if they even belong in the sport as a whole. Not so much Daniel Jones. I think he had a decent season, but you know, there's probably some guys that are better than Daniel Jones that don't have a roster spot or are sitting on somebody's bench. <clears throat> and so on to the last final three teams we'll start with McLaren McLaren I say they're a lot like the Packers or the Bulls a team that is a staple in their sport one of the most popular teams in their sport die hard loyal fan base and just haven't achieved enough in recent history have a long history of titles and being great and have iconic figures to come in and out of their teams respectively, but just can't seem to get it together right now. And their drivers, Lando Norris, he's like a Justin Herbert or Joel Embiid type figure where you know that they have top tier talent and ability and skill, but you wonder, can they push? Do they have that mentality to push and extract every little bit out of their team that they need to achieve greatness at the highest level. That's exactly how I feel about Lando. And that's exactly how I feel about those, uh, those other two guys being Joel Embiid and Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert 
comparison coming because Lando is still pretty young. I know Joel's pretty much a vet in this league now, but hell, now I'm really thinking about it. Lando's probably considered a vet now too. This is Lando started in 2018, I believe. So either 28, I think no, actually I think it was 2019. So this is Lando's fourth season in the on the Formula One grid. Joel's a little bit more experienced than that, but the the overall concept still applies. I think they're all cut from the same cloth. Oscar Piastri, his teammate, the rookie this year, the highly touted rookie, I'd say similar to a a Kenny Pickett slash Paulo Bencaro. And yeah, I kind of took the easy way out. I kind of just picked two rookies, but there is reasoning behind both. The, and it's a little bit different for both. The Paulo Bancaro comparison, I believe, just on the basis that highly touted rookies, Paulo's probably been one of the most highly liked recruits across the board since Zion, I think would probably be a good comparison. And But you wonder how they're going to develop. And I think that their situation matters a lot, which is why – where the Kenny Pickett comparison comes in, because I think that Kenny Pickett could be good, but I think the situation is really important. I don't know if they're one of those guys that can completely transcend their situation. Cause you know, in sports, you see those guys that no matter how bad stuff is going on within the team or around them or in their personal life, they just find a way to be greater than it all. And I still have those kind of question marks about, about Paolo and about Oscar, we'll see if he can um, if he can take that next step and move on to to greatness. And as far as the top two teams, we'll start with Red Bull, Eagles, Milwaukee Bucks. Simple and plain, recent success, pretty controversial. As far as like the Eagles, you either love them or you hate them. There's really no in between. The Bucks. I mean, you you have guys that are iconic on their team as far as like Giannis and Jalen Hurts, and they just push the envelope. It seems like the Bucks and the Eagles are always pushing the envelope to achieve greatness, and they have some history in the past. Not one of those super historic teams that won way back in the day. More of their successes come in recent history. I mean, the Eagles have won a title in the last what 6 years the bucks have won a title in the last 3 years so what well, that's pretty much my reasoning for that damn i cannot get this damn ipad open I'm struggling this joint lock every 3 seconds i feel like and as far as the red bull drivers back to refocus reboot Back to their drivers, Max Verstappen, um, this is an easy one, slam dunk. He's a Patrick Mahomes, Giannis Antetokounmpo-type figure where he just is an unstoppable force, an immovable object, if you will. Just greatness on all levels, pretty much the golden child of their respective sports right now. Again, one of those guys that you don't fall on the fence on. You either love them or you hate them. I've never seen really too many guys be on the fence about Mahomes or Giannis. You either love them or you you hate them. 
but there's no denying the talent and that they're probably the best at their respective sports right now. Just as a matter of fact, not really going on subjective stuff. But it's really it's just hard to compare F1 drivers because you're in different machinery. Same way it's hard to compare other sports because you've got different teammates, different organizations, different situations. So many other outside factors influencing. Sergio Perez, he very much reminds me of a Kirk Cousins, Paul George type of figure where you know that they have the talent to be at the top of the best of the best, but when the bright lights are the brightest, they just seem to shrink a little bit. And I love Checo, and I like I do like Paul George to an extent. Not really a Kirk Cousins fan, but you know that there's an ability there. But it always seems like when the lights are their brightest, they just don't. They look a little funny in the light. It's just let's put it that way. They look a little funny in the light. It's like the 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 fool's gold or the the cubic zirconium. Like it looked great when it's dark or when but like when you start putting the microscope on it and really inspecting it just don't it just they're lackluster a little bit all right moving on to our final team we made it guys i appreciate you for sticking with me i'm hoping this is helping you guys kind of contextualize and put two and two together as far as formula one and maybe find some drivers or some teams that you can cheer for and people that you can watch out for but on to my last team, the Mercedes-AMG Patronus F1 team. I got it right first try. You know, I know Lewis struggles with that. I mean, it's a, it's a lengthy fucking name. But Easy Comp, Patriots Warriors, the franchise of the last decade, of the entire 2010s, even up into the 2020s, know that they have the resources and the talent and the front office and everything. They're just a well-oiled machine from top to bottom. Absolute studs at their most talented positions. Not so much the Patriots now. I know they're struggling, but I'm just thinking recent history with the Patriots. And another controversial team, love them or hate them. I think that's just sports in general. With the top teams, you either love them or you hate them but you hate to love them. And my personal favorite teams, uh, if I had to cheer for a team, it'd probably be McLaren, but I'm on board. I'm rocking with Mercedes because Mercedes is rocking with Lewis. That's pretty much where I stand. And their drivers, George Russell, Easy Money, Josh Allen, Jason Tatum, guys who are supremely talented, who have put in amazing performances, who you know – at the right time, in the right place, they're the best of the best and can be the best of the best. Jason Tatum being well into the MVP race this year, I don't think he's going to get it, but you know he's going to be there to compete for it every single year. And guys who are very likable, like it's it's hard not to like Jason Tatum as a person or Josh Allen as a person. Very wholesome guys, really like all-American hero type of type of deal they can be the poster boy for your brand they're definitely going to get an endorsement from like a some super family brand a johnson and johnson or something to that effect you know like a quaker oats or (laughs) 
something to that effect, something really wholesome, essentially. And George with these crazy British sands. I mean, the dude sound like he's like a 17th century British guy with his expressions and stuff like that. Just go listen to some of George's team radios and tell me that he doesn't sound like a caricature of like a British guy from the 17th or 18th century. And last but not least, Sir Lewis Hamilton, the GOAT, Easy Money, Tom Brady, LeBron James, transcended the sport. Almost the undeniable GOAT. You know, there's other figures that people like to argue for as far as like Michael Jordan and Michael Schumacher in their respective sports. But in modern history, they're the GOAT of this current era. Tom, Nobody will deny that Tom Brady or LeBron James is the GOAT of this current era, and there's definitely extremely strong arguments for them being the GOAT of all time. Iconic figures in fashion and finance and just lifestyle outside of their sport as well, with Lewis just being an absolute icon, having more follow, like social media followers than Formula One itself, and probably the most popular driver to ever come through Formula One in the ranks of the sport. And he's probably the one guy that you you guys all know. Everybody knows who Lewis Hamilton is. Even if you're not a Formula One fan, you've heard the name Lewis Hamilton before. Same thing with like American football or basketball. Even if you never watched a sport or you're not a fan, you know who Tom Brady is. You know who LeBron James is. It's simple. Real go talk, you know, Lewis Hamilton. We coming back for, for title number eight. We're coming back for everything we deserve. So, yeah, man, that is going to wrap it up for today. I hope this kind of helped you get to a point to where you can really relate to these guys and really put a perspective on what these guys are like as far as their attitudes on and off the track. And maybe you found something new. Maybe you found somebody to cheer for. You know, you're always welcome on Team LH, baby. This is a Team LH household. And, yeah, there's nothing more to say. We coming for everything that we deserve. So, again, follow me on all my social medias, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, at Naldo Formula One. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the hit the button, man. Just do it. Leave the five-star review. Get up in them comments, man. Leave a comment. Show me some love. Leave Like everything. Interact with my Twitter, man. Chat with me. Do the thing, man. We're trying to grow this thing. We're trying to take this thing to the moon. And with that being said, I'm going to go enjoy the rest of my Sunday. I'm starving, so I'm literally about to bite this microphone. So I'm going to go get something to eat. Enjoy the rest of my Sunday. I will see you guys later. Peace. All right, what is up, gang? So this will be a post-production edited PS version of the podcast episode. If you listen to it all the way through for number one, I appreciate you. And number two, you would have noticed that there was a slight problem with my grasp on the concept of mathematics and arithmetic, because clearly I think that the number nine equals number 10, because I kept saying all episode that I was talking about 10 teams and I clearly only talked about nine. And how could I forget the most popular team on the entire grid, the Scuderia, the boys from Marinello, the guys in the bright red suits that drive the bright red cars, the Scuderia Ferrari, man, how could I forget the most popular team and most historic team and iconic team 
on the entire grid. I feel like a complete jackass. It gave me com- crazy anxiety all day while I was at work that I did not talk about Ferrari. And I feel like people listening are going to call me an idiot and that I put so much effort into this episode and it's probably been my favorite episode to date. I, this one was really, I was really passionate about because I felt like this is a great one to transition people into the sport. So I'm just going to add this on here as a continuation. So just think of it as a bonus episode, like a Patreon extras episode, little, little gem. I feel like we're going to look back on this one in like 10 years and they're going to be like, Hey, remember that time that, uh, your boy Naldo forgot to talk about Ferrari on that one episode. OG listeners, y'all remember this, yada, yada, yada. So yeah, let's, let's, let's run this back. Let's make this an iconic moment. So I'm just going to get straight into the Ferrari comps. This one is easy. It's going to be super straightforward. Celtics, Lakers, so take your pick, Celtics or Lakers. They're damn near the same thing. I mean, the Lakers are Celtics West. The Celtics are Lakers East. It Two of the most iconic franchises in the NBA, as well as the Dallas Cowboys for the NFL. This one's cut and dry. They're the most popular teams by far in their respective leagues. The most historic, the most iconic. They got the most championships. It's just the list goes on. The biggest fan bases, for some, probably the most annoying fan bases in their respective sports. But there's no denying that they are absolute icons and greater greatness, just epitomes of greatness. The sport wouldn't be the sport without them in it. F1 would not be F1 without Ferrari. Ferrari is F1. They're the, they're the oldest team on the grid. They've The only team that has been a part of every single season in Formula One and the day that Ferrari doesn't exist will be the day that F1 no longer exists. And I feel the exact same way about the Los Angeles Lakers, the Boston Celtics, and the Dallas Cowboys. The NFL is not what it is without the Cowboys, and the NBA is not what it is without the Celtics or Lakers. So much history and so much just iconic moments and great talent to come in and out of these franchises and clubs that – it's undeniable what they mean to the sport, whether you love them or you hate them, and they're easy to hate. Also very easy to love, depending on who you ask. But yeah, man, it just that's pretty much all I can say about Ferrari. I love them to death. Love that they're a part of the sport. I mean, the cars are iconic. The road cars are great. The only negative downside with Ferrari is just the attitude that they are nothing is bigger than the brand itself. And you've seen this not really so much with the American sports, but maybe I guess my best comparison would probably be like a Manchester United or Real Madrid or Barcelona where the, the franchise is so iconic that it becomes just a entity in itself and that nothing is bigger than the brand of Ferrari and you've seen this attitude in their road cars. You've seen it on the track and with their performances as well. You just nothing is bigger than the brand of Ferrari. They treat their drivers that way. They treat their customers that way. I work with a lot of supercars, and I've dealt with Ferrari in the past and heard horror stories of Ferrari in the past. And it's 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 really a good old boys club to an extent. And that's probably their biggest downside. And the one thing that's holding them back from pushing forward and growing their fan base and that sort of thing. 
So that's pretty much the gist of Ferrari. I will get into their drivers, Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc, two of the most popular franchises. Um, If you like your girl, then I would not let them know who they are because they are really popular with the women, apparently. So I would definitely not let your girls listen to this if you don't want them obsessing over a Spaniard and a Monegasque man. So I will get into Carlos first. His comps for me, Geno Smith, Jalen Brown. I'll get into why because they're kind of separate reasoning behind why I believe those two guys. And, I mean, I'm sure you guys are probably thinking, how do those two things relate? But I'll start with Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown's an easy one because he kind of plays second fiddle to his teammate Jason Tatum on the Celtics. And you know that Jalen is supremely talented, same way with Carlos. You know that they're supremely talented because we've seen them beat very talented drivers in the past. But, you again, is another one of these guys where you don't, you question whether that they can reach that upper echelon and really compete with the best of the best and compete for titles on any given basis, given the equipment to do so. And I feel the same way about Jalen Brown. If you gave Jalen his own team, could he be the best player on an NBA championship team? I don't know about that, and I don't really think so. And I feel that same way about Carlos Sainz. If you gave Carlos Sainz a Mercedes drive or a Red Bull drive, would he be able to compete at the highest level? And as far as Geno Smith, Geno Smith, a guy who kind of had his career revitalized uh, in a way in Seattle, and I feel that same way about Carlos. I mean, he performed great. Don't get me wrong. He performed great at McLaren and at Toro Rosso and Renault and his other teams. But I think that He's really had his career revitalized, and I think that the attitude surrounding Carlos has really changed over the the past two years that he's been at Ferrari. This will be his third year after the, after this season. But I think that Gino getting his second opportunity in Seattle has really proven that he does have the talent that to compete at the highest level and he deserves a spot leading a franchise and leading a team. And I think that Carlos deserves a spot on the grid at a really good team. I just don't know. I think he's better off in that supporting role, if that makes sense. Um, If you heard the background noise, I'm sorry. That's my pup. Just going to disclaim that right there. I'm pretty sure he picked it up. I'm giving him the side eye right now, and he knows that I'm talking about him because he's giving me the side eye right back. But on to their lead driver, Charles Leclerc. Another icon of the sport, another supremely talented guy, and kind of the opposite of Carlos, who you know that he, you are 100% certain that he has the talent to compete at the highest level. I mean, for God's sake, he is probably the best qualifier, just one lap pace, probably the best qualifier on the grid. It's close between him, Lewis, and Max, and you could even throw George in there with his performances over the last two years. But I would probably give the nod to Charles as the best qualifier on the grid in just one lap pace. He's just kind of prone to these mental errors every now and then. And I think that he needs to be a little bit more assertive. But again, a different conversation for a different day. His comparisons for me, Joe Burrow and Luka Doncic, guys who, again, in their respective sports are iconic and talented, even 
most most people would say that they're top five, even top three at their sport right now. And I feel that same way about Charles. Just guys that, for one reason or another, have not achieving the greatness. Achieving? Achieved. I think I just made that. <laughs> Achieved the greatness that some of their peers have. And I'm specifically talking about Max because Charles and Max came up together through the go-karting circuit and Formula 2 and all this stuff. Well, actually, I would say Formula 3 because I don't think Max ever competed in Formula 2. But regardless, you know what I'm saying. They came up together. And so these guys are icons of their sport but just haven't achieved the greatness that you would expect of their talent level at this point. So, yeah, man, I think that that pretty much sums it up. So, yeah, I appreciate you guys, and this will be fixed by tonight. And for the guys watching this on YouTube, this isn't going to be recorded on YouTube. I didn't feel like getting the camera back out. I'm sorry. We'll just have my overlay page put up with the audio laid on top of it. So, yeah, man, this has been episode 11 of the Naldo Formula One podcast, translating the language of speed. I will see you guys on the next run. Peace.